Let's uh, pray in preparation for the message. Heavenly Father, um, I pray that you be with me and help me to um, accurately reflect what your word says, Lord. Help me to be faithful to the text. Help me to be faithful to the scriptures. Um, help me not to bring my own agenda or my own mind or, or anything else into it, Lord, but help me to be just be faithful in, in uh, digging out the treasures that, that you've given us in, in the scriptures, Lord. And I pray that you be with the folks who are here today. I pray that you touch their hearts and help them to um, be in your presence and, and hear from you, Lord. I pray that I wouldn't get in the way of that and that, that they would just hear from your spirit, Lord, and that their hearts would be uh, just fertile soil for for uh, planting your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to disclaimer real quick. I have a cold, and it is a dopey, slow-thinking cold, and so I'm going to be dopier and slower-thinking than normal. And so, like, that is my apology in advance. I'm not supposed to apologize in sermons. I'll get a lecture about this later, but but I, uh, I'm, I'm just not feeling that well. So I'm going to do my best, okay? So stick with me. Good? Um, last summer, um, my car started making a squeaking noise. Um, and, and we all love squeaking noises, I'm sure. Uh, and I, I figured out pretty quick what the problem was. I had a, uh, a pulley in the front of the engine that was bad, or that was starting to go bad, because it was only squeaking, right? And it wasn't a loud squeak. And, and so I said, well, you know, um, I had the car in for, for an oil change, and I said, hey, you know, can you, can you guys give it a once-over? And they gave me my once-over, and they came back and said, well, hey, this is what we found. You know, you, you just got this pulley that's bad, and we would like $400 to repair it for you. And I said, well, I'll be buying a little bit to pick it up. I'll, I'll keep my $400, thank you. You know, a squeaking pulley is not enough to justify spending that kind of money. And beyond that, like, I, as, a, as a guy, I'm proud that I fix my own car. And so I wasn't going to pay some shop 400 bucks to replace a pulley, right? Am I the only guy in the room who feels that way? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Not anymore. Well, I... Hey, all right, stop that. All right, let's... No, it's actually, here's a part of the conversation. The car that was given to us, that we're driving, my parents gave us the car, right? It was a gift. And their thing was, well, you have to have the shop do all the maintenance. Don't fix it. Don't. And I don't know what it is that they don't trust about me in that regard. Thank you. So, like I said, well, I'll have them have a look at it. And I drew a line there. 400 bucks for a pulley is, that's nuts, right? So, I, I drove it home and I said, well, you know, it's just squeaking. I can get to it later, Right? Um, and then about a month later, I noticed that squeaking was a little more persistent, but it was still just a squeaking, right? I can get to it a little later. And, and then actually a couple months after that, I noticed that the squeaking had altered and had a bit more of a grindy no- noise to it, but the car still ran fine and it was really a busy time for me. And, and so I said, well, you know, I, I need to do it soon and then that squeaking stopped being a squeaking, and it became a rattle. And so then I had to start wearing my headphones while I drove. And, and I, I picked loud music to listen to so I couldn't hear it. Um, and, and that fixed the problem. I mean, you'd be surprised how not knowing that something, you know, ignoring a problem, like, like, effectively makes it go away. Until it got loud enough that I had to download louder albums. Um, and then on, on Thursday, we we're about to go to this men's retreat over the weekend, and I, I, I was up at the, taking my trash up to the dump, and, and I, uh, I, was, I was, you know, a car was running, I got out, and that rattle was more than a rattle, 
It was kind of a death rattle. And there was a burning smell. And I thought, well, I could get a new air freshener. And, well, we're going to drive to the mountains. I probably shouldn't drive into the mountains if the car's going to break down. And, and so I, I took it apart. And what I, what I found when I started taking it apart, by the way, $50 pulley. It was a $50 pulley. And, and that, my one I took out, I don't know if you all know what pulleys are supposed to look like. They're generally one piece. And when they're together, there's supposed to be bearings in there. And what had happened was my bearing stopped working. The pulley fell apart. The bearings are somewhere on the highway or in the dirt roads or whatever. And the pulley was actually hanging forward, and it was being held on by the belt itself. So Toyota designed it for me to do that. Um, and had I ignored it eventually, like, what would have happened was the belt would have disintegrated and the car would have really broken down, right? And my pulley, I ignored it, right? I ignored it when it wasn't a big deal, and then it got to be a bigger deal, and then I ignored it a little longer, and it got to be a bigger deal, and I, I finally jumped in and fixed it in the nick of time. Um, had I let it go on any further, though, it would have been a real problem. And, and really, like, as a rule, my experience is if I let things go on too long, they get out of hand pretty quick, and it gets harder and harder to fix. Actually, replacing this pulley should have taken me a lot less time, but I had to dig in with a screwdriver and pry the pulley off of the front of the engine because it had been, like, melted into place, and that's, that's bad, Right? Um, as we kind of get into our text here, this is, I made a, we're going to be still in 1 John, um, and, and we're going to be doing chapter 5. Like, this is, I, I was incorrect. This is not, last week I said it was the end of the argument. This is actually the end. I forgot I had divided up the last section, because otherwise we would have done, like, 25 verses last week, and we would have been here a really long time. So I chopped off the last five. This is the last time we're talking about this section of argument. Um, but when we get into this, what we're going to talk about in relation to this is rattles in our lives, right? You all ever get that where, like, something isn't working right and you do your best to ignore it? And you think, well, I can just deal with that later. You know, I'll ignore it a little longer and I'll deal with that later. And I'll deal with that later and I'll deal with that later. And before you know it, like, these things in your life have gotten so out of control that, like, you don't know how to deal with it anymore. Does that make sense? Um, we're going to get into that, but a little background first. Um, this is a letter from John. Um, John was the last of the 12 disciples alive at this point. He was the only one who died in natural causes. He was very close to Jesus. Um, the series so far has kind of covered this argument that they've been dealing with. Like this church um, that he's writing to has had a major split. And what's happened is they had a group of folks in the church who said, Jesus isn't the Christ, and, like, the only thing we really need to worry about is, like, God the Father, and they were claiming to be perfect. Like, we never sinned, we're perfect. And um, they, there was all kinds of conflict, and these folks had, like, gone out of the church, and this is a church that was hurt and broken, and John is writing a letter to kind of deal with the issues. And the way that John writes, it's a little more like a basket, right? Like, if you read Paul, Paul writes like, like a block tower, Right? You ever watch your kids make a tower out of blocks? You know, one piece sits on top of another, sits on top of another, sits on top of another, which makes Paul kind of easy. You just, like, follow the line. John is a little more like a basket where he takes, like, ten different topics and he weaves them all together, and then he ties them off in the end, and it makes it a little more challenging. Um, this is the point where John is going to tie all of his little arguments together at the end. Um, and the big topics he's talked about so far have been holiness. And actually, he started the main thrust of his argument by saying, listen, if you love God, you've got to, like, pursue holiness. 
You know, you can't say, I love God, and then, like, cheat on him, right? If I say, I love my wife, and I have a girlfriend on the side, there's some disconnect, right? Like, you can't say both. They don't both work. Um, The same with God. Like, you can't say, oh, I love God, but I actually love these things more than I love God, because God doesn't share. God is is like that. He says, look, I am God. You love me most, and everything else you love, you love as a part of loving me. Um, and he's very serious about that. So like John talks about holiness. Hey, if you don't love God, you've got to pursue holiness. You've got to pursue like this purity. Um, he talks about love within the church. He says, listen, if you love God, it is like you have to love his children, right? My, my children, you all have met them, right? If you haven't met them, wait. They'll be the loud ones after service. Um, my children, the sun rises and sets by them, right? If you hate my children, we got a problem. Right? Like, you can't hate my kids and, and, and think we're going to get along. Like, that's not okay. Like, you, you know, my kids are a part of me. Um, and this is basically John's argument. He says, listen, the folks around you, you have to love them. If anybody says they love the father but hates his brother, he's a liar. That's actually a lie. John said this. If you hate your brother but you say you love God, that's a lie. You cannot do both. They both don't work. It is, you know, love God, love his people. It is a package. Um, and that's hard sometimes because churches do dumb things sometimes, right? And they do. But you still got to love people even though they do dumb things sometimes. That's it. No way around it. Um, even though we disagree, we love each other. Um, we're going to dive into our text here. Uh, oh, and he actually talked about like this confession of Christ. Like believing who Jesus is, knowing who Jesus is, is central to it all. Like you can't, I love God, I love the church, but I don't care about Jesus. Or I think Jesus is, you know guy who lives down the street and we don't actually know who jesus is like we have to like knowing jesus properly is a part of the equation and so like as he ties all these together we're going to start with verse one it took me 10 minutes to get to verse one that's a bad sign but there's only five verses um everyone who believes that jesus is the christ has been born of god now jesus is god's son he is one with the father there's one god the father the son the holy spirit they're all part of each other right jesus is the son of god he came into this world because we were, like, we screw up. Has anybody here not screwed up? Because if you're perfect, you're in the wrong building, right? Like, like I, I'm, I'm super imperfect. The people around you are super imperfect. I love you all, but it's just the truth. Jesus came to provide forgiveness for the sins we commit. When Jesus was um, on this earth, he obeyed the law perfectly, and he took an unjust punishment in our place. When Jesus was crucified, he hung on the cross. God poured out all of our punishment on him. So, like, that's what the cross is about. That's why we have a cross in the front of the building as a reminder. When I fail to obey God, when I fail to love my neighbors, when I'm nasty to my wife, when I'm, you know, temperamental with my kids, when I'm imperfect, when I want things that don't belong to me, when I, you know, all of this stuff, Jesus took punishment for all of that. That's what it means that Jesus is the Christ. Like, he is the one who took punishment for us. If I believe that, if I am a follower of Jesus, I have been born of God. Now, born of God, right? This is John writing. And John is one of those ones who, like, gives us a lot of cool stuff about being born of God, particularly John 3. You know, read it when you get home. I highly recommend it. John 3. Um, He talks about being everyone who, you know, who wants to get into heaven has to be born again. And that is an act of Christ taking up residence in our hearts, the Holy Spirit making us new, and from the inside out, we become brand new people, born anew. Um, some of y'all maybe have met folks 
that were horrible and then like had this massive encounter with Jesus and it was like they were a different person. Um, years ago I had a, when I was like in, in the spiritual low point of my life, I had, I had a, a significant encounter with God and I had, you know, six weeks where like God just sort of rearranged everything about me. And I actually had my boss call me into his office and say, Eric, I don't know what happened, but you're a different person than I hired six weeks ago. And I was like, okay, I, I don't know what to tell you. But it was because God took hold of me and rearranged me. And like that is the objective of the Christian life is to become this new person. And what that involves is us looking more like Jesus, right? It doesn't mean grow a beard, right? It doesn't mean wear sandals. It, it means love folks who don't deserve to be loved. And we all know folks who don't deserve to be loved, right? We're supposed to love folks like that. Why would we do that? Actually, John says it in the last chapter. We love others because God loved us first, right? Jesus died for me when I was horrible. And I, I'm good at horrible, right? Like, you know, anyway, I would get into that. Um, like, so we are born, born of God. We become like Jesus. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. Um, He's saying, listen, if you love the Father, you're made new in Jesus, you become like Jesus. Part of being like Jesus is loving folks who are from God, right? So I kind of dealt with that. This is a major thrust. So, like, he's big arguments here, right? Believe in Jesus. Know who he is. Know what he did. Love your neighbor, right? Meaning love your brother, actually, like specifically. Love people who have come from Christ, like who belong to Christ, who are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Even when they say dumb things, even when they do dumb things, even when you disagree with them, even when they're kind of jerks, even when they're still a work in progress, you love them. By this, we know that we love the children of God. So he's like, he's actually doing his argument earlier in the book backward. He started with be holy, um, be holy, sorry, my brain is skipping a beat, that medicine is wearing off. Um, be holy, love your neighbor, confess Christ. And now he's saying, confess Christ, love your neighbor, and then so the logical end of this is, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commands. So like, he ends with the opposite side of the argument. So like, this is the end, right? He's tying all his arguments up. But, now watch this, he's now equated all of this together. Be holy, love God, love Jesus, or, you know, know Jesus, right? And they are all one piece. Like my pulley here, right? When this thing was put in the car in a factory in Tennessee or wherever they build forerunners, right? This was a single piece. And there was no piece that operated separately from the others. It was the pulley, the bearings, and the, and the mounting bracket, right? And they were all one. It stopped working when the middle part disappeared, right? And a lot of us live lives where there's a rattle. And that rattle is a byproduct of one of these three things breaking down. And we can think, and I'm sure you all have met folks like this. I, I, I have a whole group of folks that I, I associate with um, who are, are so stern in their law of God that they don't love each other anymore. They don't love the church. And they're constantly watching the church and ready to pounce on them and pronounce judgment, right? And so there's no joy in their life because there's a rattle, right? I know folks who have abandoned all pre like precept, like all pretending I'm going to try and be good 
right? I'm going to try and be like Jesus. They've abandoned it because they say, well, love my brothers and I know who Jesus is. But like I can do anything I want. And that's a rattle, right? Eventually that rattle turns into a breakdown. There's no way around it. You cannot let it go on forever. Because what happens is God will allow us opportunity to operate like broken. Because he's in the process of fixing people. He's in the business of fixing people. When that starts to fall apart, like he'll let us go. And he'll give us a little more rope. And he'll give us a little more distance. And he'll give us a little more slack. And he'll give us a little more. And eventually it breaks down. Sometimes you see this breakdown happen when, gosh, when husband and wife can't sit in the same room without trying to kill each other, without trying to scream at each other and yell and holler and fight over things that don't even make sense. Have you ever had a, an argument with your spouse that didn't make sense? And like after a little while, you're like, why are we even arguing anymore? Like, I don't even remember. We've been arguing for so many days. I don't remember why we're arguing, right? It's a rattle. It's a failure to love like your sibling in Christ, right? I, I know guys who um, start out small and that little rattle is there and by the time they're like erasing their browser history before they go to work every morning so nobody will see what they've been looking at online right that rattles there but they're stuck and they can't figure out how to stop anymore and they're ashamed and everything else but they're like i can't i don't know how to quit this and i you know like i just hope nobody catches me um that's a rattle that's gotten out of control um Rebecca said something the other day. I don't know if she's even in the room anymore. I can't see her, so she might have left. Um, Rebecca said something the other day that I thought was amazing. She said, if you find yourself angry at a brother and sister or a sister in this church, look around you. You know the guys that tick you off, right? I'm sure none of you. <laughs> I, I love all of y'all. None of y'all make me mad. It's, so, you know, I'll assume you're in the same way as me. Like, if there's somebody in this room that you cannot stand and cannot get along with, if you have not taken the time to figure out how to serve and love them and get to know them, like, like that's the problem. Like, it's hard to judge somebody you're close to, right? It's easier to offer grace to somebody you have a relationship with, right? It's, you know, uh, it, it's, on the contrary, it's easy to judge people that are just those people. Like, if you have a problem with somebody, you've got to figure out how to love them because there's a missing piece. Like, if you're judging without relationship, you've got a problem. There's a missing piece. And this is what John is dealing with in this church. The missing piece, actually, it was all three of the missing pieces in relation to this group that left. And he's trying to patch it up. He's saying, pay attention to this stuff. Um, moving right along, we'll kind of get to it. Um, For this is the love of God that we keep his commands. Um, I explained this, I'm going to be very clear on this. Um, it's easy to turn obeying the commands into wrote obedience as a way of earning your way into heaven, right? If anybody tries to sell you the idea that you can earn your way into heaven by being good enough, they are lying. Got it? If you listen to a sermon that doesn't mention Jesus periodically, because the only way we can be right before God is through Jesus, the only way we can be right before God is through Jesus, they say, well, follow these rules and you'll be right before God. No, nope, can't do it, right? And that is actually, it's like tying, I don't know, I... I, it's like going out for a swim and I'm drowning and the guy in the boat near me throws me a cinder block. <laughs> Let me help you out, buddy. You know, you give me more rules to follow when my problem is I can't follow the rules. I'm not going to be able to do it. 
loving God, like obeying, obeying the commands because we love God, is a little like, you know, my wife. I love my wife. I am able to do certain things better because I love her, right? I, I, there's an agreement we have that, like, I come home every night, right? Once upon a time in my life, I might, you know, I remember, actually, there were times in my life when I was in high school, my, my parents gave me free reign, and so I would, like, leave for a couple days. You know, I'd come home, and they were like, hey, could you mention when you're going to do that so we're not worried? You know, if I did that with my wife, like, she would be out in the yard digging my grave, you know? <laughs> And, and that would be it because, because, but it's not hard for me because I love my wife and I don't want her upset, you know, or, or, I don't know, I always say changing the toilet paper roll because it seems so insignificant, but I change the toilet paper roll because I love my wife, not because I love doing things like that. I don't, um, but she told me it drives her nuts, so I do it. Loving God, it's the same way. We keep his commands because we love him. Why don't I look at women lustfully? Because I love God and he told me not to. Why don't I steal? Because I love God and he told me not to. Why, you know, why don't I use the name of the Lord in vain? Why don't I worship my TV? Why don't I worship my possessions? Why don't I make my career the most important thing in my life? Because I love God and he told me not to do those things. So I'm not gonna. Because it's easy. It's easy because I love God. Take away that love for God and those rules become a lot more difficult. Actually, you want to read a lot of fun. Read the book of Matthew and look at how the um, Pharisees obeyed rules. Right? Or actually, even worse, the, the Matthew doesn't talk about the Essenes. The Essenes were a group of folks who would not go to the bathroom on Sabbath because they were afraid it might count as work. Like, that is miserable. Right? Like, that is miserable. That is obedience to the point of painful. Um, but that's when commands become everything and love of God stops being important. Right? When commands become a way for us to beat ourselves up and beat up the people around us, that's not the love of God. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Now, there's a big important bit here, and it's easy to miss. His commands are not difficult. Everyone who is born of God, like becoming like Jesus, overcomes the world. That's a line that Jesus says, right? He just says, hey, I've overcome the world, right? And so if Jesus lives in our hearts and we become like Jesus, we are with them, right? We overcome the world. What does that mean? Well, the world is a funny phrase, and I actually have to like go to it in my notes and in my... because I don't remember the versification. Uh, John 2.15... 1 John 2.15. I'm not going to put it up on the screen because I forgot to... Well, I chose not to before, and I changed my mind when I was working on this. Um, this is in the beginning of the argument. This is chapter 2, same book. And we can use this as a reference for understanding this. Watch this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away along with the desires. But whoever does the will of God abides Forever. Well, uh, excuse me, the will of God abides forever. Yeah, I said it right. Um, real quick, what he's saying there is, like he says, hey, overcome the world. And then he backs up, like it, earlier in the book, he told us what it means the world is. Like, what are we overcoming? Cravings of the sinful man. This is you wanting anything that is bad for you. Got it? Surely I am not the only one. I mean, I'll admit openly, I do. That. I struggle with cravings for things that are bad for me. Right? I, I quit... Smoking and drinking probably 12 years ago later this month, right? And, like, I quit that stuff 
But man, I, I had a dream the other night about drinking. I was like, man, I kind of missed that. It's bad for me, right? But that's a craving of my flesh. I still have Nick fits. Like everyone's like, man, I really want a cigarette. Really want that. Um, I, I look at things that I want that would be fun to buy, that I have no business buying, right? You know, wasting my money on things that have no, like, wisdom to them. Sometimes the craving of my flesh is my wife says, this isn't a good idea, and I want to say, forget you, I'm going to do what I want, because I want to do this, right? But that's a craving of the flesh. That's a, this is what I want to do. This is my selfish decision. And that is the world. That is, like, as John talks about it, that's the world. That is the struggle. The lust of the eyes. Do I need to explain this one too thoroughly? You know, when we watch the Super Bowl later today, I'm sure y'all know there's a football game happening later today, right? And Nathan's having a party, so if you need to... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I'm messing, sorry. (laughs) Um, But they, like, one of the things I, I read about a few weeks ago was, like, the commercials during the Super Bowl, how, like, the trend of, like, them becoming dirtier or less dirty, right? And, like... The reason they, you know, use supermodels to sell, you know, Hardee's hamburgers, right? Because the last thing I want to think of, I mean, the last thing I associate together is Hardee's hamburgers and thin people. Um, like, I, but the, the reason they associate them together is because that's, a, that's, a, that's an eye thing, right? That's a lust of the eyes. That is a look at it, see it, get inflamed inside, and, and like, buy our hamburgers, which is crazy. Easy, but like it, it, watch the Super Bowl and just think about it for a little bit. Every time those commercials come on, because it's the only reason I watch the game anyway. Um, think about the things that they're trying to sell you by lusting, like the lust of the eyes, just the flesh, like this. Hey, look at these hot people. You know, stare at them, get wound up inside. Um, for some folks, that's not like a huge struggle for them, but for a lot of men, that's a huge struggle. For a lot of women, that's a huge struggle, right? It's hard not to look. It's hard to think about only your wife. It's, that's a hard thing. Um, but this is also things like, I, I knew people when we lived in Indiana who would buy a new car every, every year. Anybody ever meet folks like that? Like, I remember one lady, she had a new BMW every year. I went and, like, her kids were in my youth group. I went to their house. They didn't have any furniture. Like, they didn't have any furniture, but they drove a new BMW every year. Guess what that is? That's the word is coveting. That's I want this so bad that I will sacrifice important things in life to have it, right? That's the lust of the eyes. That's I see it, I want it, it's mine. Um, around here, that's a little different. That's new tractors, right? New combines or new pickup trucks. Um, the pride of life. This is where we have a comp- like our accomplishment becomes our worth. The bottom line in all of this is, like, the world tells us you can be happy by other means apart from Christ. And if you pursue things that are not Jesus, it will leave you empty in the end. It's like a mosquito bite. I know we don't have mosquitoes in Montana. (laughs) When you get bit by a mosquito, what do you do? You itch it, right? And that is a wonderful experience, scratching that itch, right? That is satisfying in a way that almost nothing else in life is. Um, Except that when you stop scratching it, what happens? It still itches. So what do you do? Scratch some more. And eventually you're bleeding and it still itches. And you're thinking, what do I need, a melon baller or something? Like, this is awful. Like, what am I supposed to do here? Um, Eventually the trick is to let it heal and ignore the itch and it'll go away. Um, The same thing is happening here. Like, 
these, the world, this overcoming the world, John is saying here, right, has been born of God and overcomes the world. I mean, we become like Jesus and we overcome the world. Um, these itches, the cravings that we have, like the lust in our eyes, all of this stuff, the way we overcome it is not by indulging it. You will never overcome sin by indulging it, right? If I just look at these pictures a couple of times right now, I'll be fine. Nope, because it'll just be later, right? And eventually you're dumping stuff into that hole in your life, and you're dumping stuff in, and you're dumping stuff in, and it's rattling worse and worse and worse and worse. And all of a sudden it's on fire, and you're back here like, wow, what happened? How do I fix this? Well, he actually is giving us the solution in this verse. And it's weird because you can miss it if you're not looking at the whole book, right? Been born of God overcomes the world. Meaning the more we become like Jesus, the more we're able to overcome the world. And so we quench this fire by like, I mean, literally by becoming like Jesus, by crucifying that flesh and like becoming like Jesus. So like, I hate somebody. I mean, man, it's like a pastime for me. I got a temper on me you wouldn't believe. Right, And I, I encountered people at work over the years where I just could not stand them. There's a couple of guys I worked with who tried to get me fired, actively tried to get me fired. And my boss put me on a team with them. And I had to deal with them every day. And I would grind my teeth on the way home and be so angry I couldn't sleep at night. And eventually I, I talked to a guy. I'm like, hey, you know what? Can I pray for God to step on him? Like, I can do that, right? Like, David did it in the Bible. I can do it, right? And he's like, well, no, I, I guess you could do that. Have you prayed for him at all yet? No. Well, there's your problem. That's what Jesus said. You know, that's Matthew 5, 6, and 7, right? Read it. Pray for him. And I started praying for him. And the coolest thing happened. The first guy started praying for him, and his wife got pregnant. And he was celebrating. It was so wonderful. But he had to leave his job because he had to make more money because she had to quit hers. And amazingly, he, I prayed for him, and God blessed him. I prayed for God to bless him, and God blessed him, and he blessed me. You know, <laughs> Yeah. The other guy, I prayed for him for about four years and almost stopped several times because the longer I prayed for him, the worse his life got. Like, I prayed for him every day, and his wife left him, and his best friend was murdered. And then he got demoted, and then he got moved into a job he hated, and then he got fired, and then he got, and it got worse and worse. And I'm like, I, his life was great before I started praying for him. And I felt bad because all of a sudden I didn't hate him that much anymore. I spent so much time praying for him, I kind of liked him. And then all of that mess piled up into one big thing, and he found Jesus. And it changed him completely. He was a different man. Like, I met him years later, and I'm like, who are you? I don't even know you anymore. He even looked the same. It was weird. But I learned to love him in the process, and I celebrated when his life got good, right? But here's the trick here, right? You get that fire in you, that burning, that desire, that sinful flesh, that thing that would be so easy and fun. How do you overcome it? Well, you become more like Jesus. You pour Christ on that. Christ taught people persecute you, you pray for them. That's it. Love people who hate you. That's painful, right? That's an itch that's so much easier to scratch. So much more fun to scratch. Man, hating people's fun. What? It's not? Hop on your Facebook page and scroll down, and you'll find those articles that only exist to make you mad at the bad guys. You know what I'm talking about? That's all their purpose is, is to pour gas on that fire. It ain't pouring Jesus on the fire. It's not. If we're pouring Jesus on the fire, we're producing holiness. 
We're producing like you know, love for our brothers and sisters. We're producing compassion. But it happens with everybody. It's our natural bent. And we church it up sometimes. Folks church up hatred, but it's not. It's not right. You cannot hate people and say you love Jesus. How do you fix it? You pour Jesus on it. And this is the victory. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. There's two cool little Greek things here. Right? I'm almost done. This is the last verse. There are cool little Greek things built into this. And we're going to start with overcome. Right? Um, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, that has overcome in the past tense, right? So overcome the world is our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world, meaning is currently overcome, overcoming the world? Because the word there in Greek, first he uses it in the past tense, and then he uses it in the present tense. And what that means is our faith overcame the world, and that currently, right, overcoming the world is Jesus, the Son of God. Um, Greek is a great language because it's so precise that way. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So, like, our faith helps us to overcome it in the past, and we overcome it in the now by having belief in Jesus. And that means belief, not just, like, belief in the sense, like, I mean, there are things I believe are true, right? There's a big, there's a big wall in China, right? It's actually a pretty great wall, I've heard. Um... <laughs> But that I believe it exists, right? That has no bearing on my life. It will never have a bearing on my life. I will never afford to go to China. I'm never going to stand on that wall. Nothing, right? Like not happening, nothing. This is a belief that changes who we are, right? It is the belief that I believe that, that, that Jesus is like the source of life, is the source for overcoming the world, and so it changes who I am. And so that past tense, present tense, like if I have faith in Christ, I've overcome the old way I was, and I continue to overcome it through my faith in Christ because I run back to that well for water every time I need help, every time I need rescue, every time I need anything. The other cool thing here is, and there's another Greek thing, I'm going to say it because I can say these ones. I can't say overcome in Greek. Um, Overcomes the world, our faith. The word faith there is pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, pistis, our pistis, our faith. Normally, this is actually the only time, John talks about faith all the time, and normally he uses the word pisteo, right? Pisteo. One is a noun, the other is a verb. John always talks about faith in terms of verb, right? Like it's always a thing you are doing. It is not a thing you have. And the only time he mentions it, he mentions it in the context of that faith that we have is what got us started on this road, right before he says keep overcoming, right? And so, like, for John, faith is something we do. It's only a noun when it's pointing back and saying something we did, right? Otherwise, it's an action. So here's my challenge with this. My first challenge is, what's rattling? Like, some of y'all are listening to me talk, and you're looking... And there's a big broken thing in your world, right? And every time you get up in the morning, you've got to turn the radio up nice and loud so you can't hear that rattle, right? It's one or more of those three things missing. Either you don't know Jesus, you're hating your brothers, or your wife, or your kids, or your neighbor, 
or anyone. Or you're not pursuing holiness. You've given up on being like Jesus, like pursuing like a right life, right? If that rattle is there and you've been ignoring it, fix it. And the only way to fix it is in Christ. That's the way God gives us. Otherwise, you're scratching an itch. It's just going to make it bleed and it'll get infected and it'll wreck your life. That's just the way it works. I spent years hating people I hadn't even seen in years. And it killed me inside. Some of y'all have that. Like, anybody here ever get mad at somebody who's dead? Like, as though you being mad at them is going to help? That's a rattle. If there are rattles in your life, if there's brokenness, if there's a missing piece, my challenge for you is to figure it out and fix it. You want a happy marriage? Figure out what's missing. You want, a, you want peace? You want to be able to lay, it, lay down at night and not be angry, not be bitter, not be filled with resentment? It's just a rattle. One of those three things, you fix it, it's gone. It's only gone in Christ. That is it. Healing only comes in Christ. So this is my challenge for you. Like, figure out what it is, right? If you don't have a rattle, that's fantastic, right? But encourage other people to grow in it. Help other people grow in it. If there are folks around you, like, who you rub them the wrong way, help them figure out how to love you. Sometimes that means you've got to be nicer. I know it's hard. Um, by the way, like if you want real feedback on this, ask someone close to you, how am I doing with these three areas? And if they say, hey, you're not doing that well, there's a chance you've got your music up so loud you can't hear the rattle, right? And sometimes that music, like the way we ignore, we ignore with drink, we ignore with busyness, we ignore with, you know, sex, we ignore with, you know, good feelings, or we follow preachers who don't mention Jesus so that we can get away from having to deal with Jesus. But this is what God has for us. It's all about Jesus. We're going to um, finish up, actually, with communion. Like, this is the, is it the first Sunday of the month? We do first Sunday of the month, we do the Lord's Supper. I'm going to call my guys forward. Um, and I'll explain this. Like, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, like, the night...